0: i'm evelyn and you're listening to pause a podcast brought to you by Kara, where we focus on women and motherhood and that with complete honesty science-based information and without any judgments as you can probably tell this episode is a little bit different as today's guest is absolutely wonderful co-founder of cara anna We had such wonderful time recording this episode about pregnancy and birth-related healthcare differences in Estonia and Germany and what can we do to support more families during their journey of becoming parents. So make yourself a warm cup of coffee or tea and enjoy! Hi Anna! Hello! You're in this interesting spot today where most of the listeners, or at least those who have listened to some of the episodes, know something about you, but Mm -hmm. uh, rather uh, through other people's uh, minds or words or stories. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm lucky to have you here today and uh, give you this opportunity to um, share your own points of uh, views and introduce yourself properly. So who's Anna?
1: (laughs) Thank you, thank you for having me. Uh, Anna, Anna is a 25-year-old German (laughs) who moved to Estonia two years ago now. And uh, my background is that I'm a pediatric nurse and I specialized in intensive care for premature newborn babies. Um, And I decided to to go into nursing uh, actually Firstly, out of the idea to become a doctor, uh, but it's in Germany, if, if your grades aren't good enough in school <laughs> and you can't get a place for medicine to study, mm-hmm. you normally can go into nursing. And so that was that was my start into medicine. And along the way, I think around two years into the training, I actually uh, went to Canada to do an internship because we had to see healthy babies they wanted us to to not interact just with ill babies but also healthies and so i was walking along for six weeks uh, with a midwifery praxis uh, in ottawa canada and that was when i saw my first birth mm. and i loved the work it, it was so so lovely and the birth was in a birthing center and it was the third birth of the woman, and it was just just really lovely. So I caught fire then uh, with the maternity side, because beforehand I was only when the baby was born already. So at that point I decided I would like to educate myself more towards midwifery rather than becoming a doctor. Um, and so after completing my pediatric nursing training, I went to Berlin. I moved to Berlin to the Charité and worked there a year on the labor maternity ward. And uh, that, was, that was very lovely as well. That was a totally different experience working on the labor ward and experiencing births really closely. But at one point, I really noticed that I was missing the interactions with the babies again. Mm. Because they were just given away to, to the pediatric nurses there. Uh, and so I decided to move back to to my hometown and work there on the intensive care for premature newborn babies again. And that was three years ago. And I met my partner in Berlin and he moved back to my hometown with me. And then he got a job offer from a startup here in Estonia. And then we were put into the place where we had to decide if we want to stay in Germany or if we move. And we decided to move here, mm-hmm. which was interesting and, and turned out lovely in the end now.
0: What was your first thought about moving to Estonia? Mm. How much did you know about Estonia?
1: Very, very little. <laughs> I think we were very naively moving here. Uh, we did, of course, we we knew it was a, a great place for startups um, and a lovely country, but didn't know too, too much about it. We were here a few months before we moved in summer, and it was, it was very beautiful, so at that point we decided, okay, uh, why not, if we don't do it now, we'll probably not do it, do it later on, and uh, yeah, that's how we, how we landed here.
0: Other than the um, birth and babies and stuff you're working at uh, with today, what has been the biggest surprise in Estonia? um
1: apart from uh, well, i guess that's really hard because that is a really really big part of uh my my life here now but um uh, i think the weather <laughs> the very cold wind <laughs> i still have to get used to that um and i think also uh just the mentality of, of estonians and um getting getting used to how how things are done here and how they're different to, to other countries and actually very lovely, unique things uh, about this country here as well. So mm, it's, I would say, maybe a year ago I started settling down here. And that w- but that was uh, very much because I met Kyle and Karina and, and found a foundation here to, to build up my little village of people.
0: But what was your initial goal in Estonia? I understand that your partner was coming here to work, mm-hmm. but you didn't have nothing basically yes. here.
1: Yes, uh, I, I I thought well, when when you start nursing uh, in in a country in Europe, they basically tell you you can work anywhere, and that is true. You do have the license to work anywhere. Other than language, I Other believe. than language. But the thing was, uh, we were talking, a lot of our friends actually have moved to different countries. And there are a lot of private clinics that accept English-speaking uh, people. And that was a very naive point for me. I didn't really apply beforehand. I came from a very privileged space of working in two really good uh, German clinics. And I thought it would be much, much easier but I was taught differently. Um, So I wasn't able to find a job and then I had to rethink uh, from from everything, basically, Um, and started writing evidence-based articles, actually, about maternity and and children to help women understand more what's happening, Um, yeah. I love the story
0: about uh, you coming to Simple Session and mm-hmm. finding baby uh, logo on the window that mentioned baby. Yes, <laughs> and that's where your uh, connection with Keiro and Karina starts.
1: Yes, yes, it's. Um, I don't know. It was a very vulnerable place I was at that point. Uh, I was thinking about going back to Germany and you know educating myself more in a, in the field that I was working. And it was like like a sign when i when I saw the their logo and um well, looked into what they were doing and i I was really fond fond of that, and then sent out an email to mm. to talk with them and well that's the rest is history <laughs> i would say in that sense
0: you mentioned that you're twenty five and a few months months back when I randomly uh saw that um and told you that, oh, are you really, or asked you, are, are you yeah. really 25? Because not that young people can't be uh, smart and wise, but you're, like, really mature. And um, it surprised me how young you are, actually. Mm. Um, and you told me that uh, you think that what makes you so smart and wise is the things that you've seen mm. during your work and and experiences.
1: Yeah, I think uh, people who work in in the medical field uh, or start training in it. They have to grow up really, really quickly. Um, And I I started my nursing training when I just turned 18. And I was in a very different space uh, then, but where you get thrown into hospital and night shifts and everything, and then you're confronted with really life threatening events for for the people you are caring for and you you suddenly become the person maybe for the mother or the father to support and I think um, you grow up really quickly in in that setting uh, so I believe that is mostly when i I look at my friends I think most of my friends are actually nurses or midwives or doctors uh, it's the same uh, you I, I don't think you would notice um, that we are all maybe a bit younger. Mm-hmm. Hmm.
0: I know that I've asked from uh, many guests uh, who are somehow related to Cara, and uh, we talk about Cara a lot. But without Cara, we don't, we wouldn't have this podcast. So uh, uh, I'm asking you this as well: How you see Cara, or if you need to describe it, what mm-hmm. what is it, Then what's your what's your story?
1: I think Cara. Mm. It's it's like a it's like a baby. Uh, we started it uh, a year ago, now in February, actually, uh, and it's become to. Well, it has grown so so much into a direction that, when we began, we have never thought of actually. Um, so I think at the start, where I f- first met you at our first yoga session, we really just wanted Cara to be a place for women to come and connect and mm, have, have a really good time during their pregnancy, uh, supported by all of the medical specialists, um, and then now having a bigger sense of what impact we want to actually achieve uh, in the long run, and, and for many other areas as well. So, uh, I think, as a baby, it has... A lot of time to to grow and evolve much much more into places that we we have never expected before. Um, yeah,
0: I believe that during your time in Estonia, you studied quite a lots about Estonia, Estonian uh, system, the pregnancy and birth and and postpartum as well, and you've mentioned it uh, many times that um, Germany has things differently. Uh, if you could bring out a few um, most important mm. things that are different in Estonia and Germany, or even maybe in Canada uh, that you can compare as well, yeah. what would you bring out?
1: Mm, I think um, from, from the point where, where I moved to Estonia and met Kai and Karina, um, we were working on this product uh, for colostrum harvesting. And um, during that time as well, I was doing baby massages for, for women uh, at, at home. And it was mostly during the postpartum period. And I talked to an Estonian woman here and I was always asking, where's, where's your midwife? <laughs> like, when is your midwife coming? Uh, because they had so many questions. And they were like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> There's nobody coming. So you know, I think this is the biggest point And that's what we really try to advocate for uh, is that in Estonia, then if you're not released 24 hours, um, during 24 hours from the birth, you, you don't have a midwife home visit. And coming from Germany, I was hugely shocked because in Germany, you get like 16 postpartum home visits in the first 12 weeks. And that, I think, was a big shock for me because German women think that is not enough. And here in Estonia, it's not even happening at all. So I think for me, it was a very interesting space to be coming from somebody who complains about uh, not having enough but having much more than just a few hours flight away in, in a country. So uh, postpartum home visits is a is a big big difference and they're also happening in Canada the same way and the US and, and other places as in Germany. Um, I think also maternity in the sense that everything in Estonia is very hospitalized so meaning that when you're pregnant, you go into a hospital, and that is also something that doesn't happen uh, in Canada and or Germany. You go to your midwife who has a little room somewhere and, and a couch and you, you sit there. Um, and well, if if you have something and your midwife uh, recommends you to see a doctor, then you, you start going to a hospital, but, but not beforehand, especially not for things like family school or or yoga so Mm -hmm. uh, that was very different for me as well and I think for us now we're in a space where we really try to uh, work together with the hospitals and and the uh, other clinics here here in Estonia because we have this opportunity to bring it out a bit of hospital offering also it's not just Saying, oh, let's bring it out of hospital and everything is better, but you you do feel different if you don't go into hospital, but, but to a different place that is a uh, more relaxed setting, maybe.
0: Uh. I guess that really depends on the person because I felt mm-hmm. really comfortable at mm-hmm. the hospi- hospital because for me it reminds like a safe pl- safe place yes. where everybody knows what to do
1: if something happens or yes. if you have any concerns. Totally, and I think that is. Really shows you. It depends where you grow up and what you're used to. And if right. you're used to it, then that is the setting that you you want to be. And for me, a hospital is also a safe space. I'm not afraid. I'm actually uh, definitely. I think I would give birth in a hospital as well, and, and not not somewhere else. And in Germany, coming from, or coming from Germany, it's very you're not used to going to hospital if you don't have an emergency. So. Um very dependent on what you're used to country to country uh, and, and what you what you would do about the postpartum
0: home visits um I know that we have talked about this a lot, and uh it seems for me and when I've talked with other uh, fresh mums uh even if this a uh, few weeks or a f- few months uh, is quite difficult and hard time for a mom and for a f- whole family, then you can't really miss something mm-hmm. that you haven't experienced. Yes, yes. What do you see, what's the biggest um, thing that the postpartum homicides give to this woman mm-hmm. or, or to family?
1: I think there are two really interesting points in in what you've said, and one point is coming back to this what you're used to right you you can't miss anything that you haven't experienced before mm-hmm. or is not the the usual in in your country so if we talk about postpartum home visits and that they're not happening, uh, we offer them but women. They they have a barrier and, or there's a, a bigger wall for them to go over and ask for this help because they it's it's not usual to do. Um, I think postpartum home visits um, are especially great for the mother. Uh, and this is what I think CARA is all about. We're trying to be more advocates for the mother than maybe for the baby because we believe if the mother is doing well, the baby is doing well. Um, but postpartum home visits, they are such a unique type of approach because it's not just medical. You really go into depth and you go to a woman's home, you see how she's in her own surrounding, she feels safer um, in her own home than, than going to some some place that she isn't used to. And you really notice after 30 minutes, Uh, women start to open up Mm -hmm. and it's uh, psychological research has shown it that it takes something between 20 and 30 minutes and that's why they should be longer and and should be an hour Um, and the first half an hour can be checking blood pressure and talking to you about postpartum bleeding and how breastfeeding is going and then you can go more into the psychological effects maybe the birth had on you um, and struggles that you have and also I believe postpartum home visits, they can... You know, we were just talking before the podcast about solids and solid foods, like right. when to start. This is also something that midwives do, because they can can uh, be there longer for you. It's not just the, the birth and really s- slowly after after birth. But um,
0: what on timeline... You said 16 home visits in Germany. Yes. On what timeline? In the first
1: 12 weeks. And then... Okay you get extra you can basically uh you can consult them um for solid foods uh i think until 1 year uh until the baby is 1 year you can everything is paid by insurance to to consult um and i think you know this thing about one one part is emotional well-being and mental well-being during postpartum period but uh, breastfeeding, if you decide to breastfeed uh postpartum home its can be just super great and and such a great help because as a woman, this urge to go out of the house when you just gave birth uh and go to a place where you get counseling instead of somebody actually coming to you and, and doing it is such a big step and so it's a really... Postpartum home visits are really individually and, and some women really don't need them, actually. So I was just in Berlin talking to a friend of mine who had a postpartum home visit and she was like, I was in and out because the, everything was great, but you also have the cases that women need need more support and then they're they super, super good.
0: I believe that you've seen quite a few Estonian ladies now mm-hmm. uh, and moms and heard their stories. Mm-hmm. I don't want to concentrate only the negative things, but uh, we come to positive mm-hmm. things uh, yes. soon. Uh, what has maybe shocked you the most? Um, mm-hmm. Any story or any problem?
1: I think uh, there's one, and that was very early on when I met met and Karina, was that several times I heard from different women that in hospital postpartum, uh, the medical professional checked uh, the milk supply, how much breast milk you have, why, by just like taking off the duvet and grabbing the boob and seeing if something comes out, and that was for me like very interesting uh, point because I I've never experienced that, and that was several times, and I think. That was a big, big point where Kara, or where we are now today with it, with empowering women and, you know, giving them information to make informed choices mm. comes in quite a lot because if you don't know, again, that it's not normal, then you don't know to speak up.
0: And uh. That's interesting that you brought it out because uh, I-, I told you earlier that uh, a few days ago, I had this worry uh, about breastfeeding my baby, and I had a quick call with uh, Gertrude who was uh, in CAR's team as well, and she, so like confidently, and she was so lovely when she told me that you can't really check your breast milk supply levels, you can't, even the, if you pump it, you can't see the actual amount that your baby gets, because yes. the sucking, and the it really stimulates differently yeah. your boobs. Yeah. So. This is really random, but really, like, interesting. Uh, that it's,
1: it's, it's very invasive as well, right. right? It's it's you're at a very vulnerable place, and the milk comes in, and it actually hurts. And you know, it, it's very likely, and I've experienced it many times on the other side as as the nurse, uh, that maybe your actions you didn't see them like that. But a woman in this hormonal changes that happen after birth. Is just totally, totally surprised by by what's happening, and so I think we, everybody who who is surrounded by by women after birth, has to really be be quite sensitive and, and see one thing that you say to one woman may be percepted by by another very, very differently, um, and especially when when it comes to breastfeeding. I think that's a very personal, personal journey as well right
0: we are talking mostly about estonia because uh, all uh, our listeners are estonian uh, hopefully not after today's episodes but uh, still we will keep doing yes. uh, episodes in estonian after that uh, however one part of me knows that we have many struggles and there's big way to go uh, to make our healthcare system for women and for babies better. Uh, however, I know that things aren't that bad as well because if we compare to some other countries, we have wonderful healthcare system here. Yes. If you could bring out one or two uh, good things about the Estonian system.
1: Oh, I think um, you know, there's so, so many great things about the Estonian system and maybe you don't see that straight away from the outside, but but if you dig deeper and take the time, I think one huge, huge, amazing thing is is the e-health system. Mm. Like, we could dream of that. We are that. really proud of that, <laughs> that we <Yes>. are. <laughs> but that is like, it saves you so much time. It saves hospitals, precious time. You, as a person in Germany, we walk around with a map of p- pieces Papers. of paper to, to go to different people, and they still believe that that is the most safest way to transport <laughs> your health data. Um, I think that is a huge amazing thing that uh, Estonia has has achieved also I do believe that um, for midwifery care uh, midwives here do ultrasounds I love that I think that is absolutely amazing they should it saves a lot of time for the doctors but it enables midwives also to to go much much deeper into the subject and that is an absolute no-go in Germany so Mm -hmm. I think you know Every country, as you said, has pros and cons. Um, now living here, I see see a lot of pros in, in the Estonian system overall. And then you go deeper into it and C-section rate. Like 20% here, Germany could dream of that. And I think if you go to more natural birthing, and for me that includes pain medication as well as, as some sort of C-sectional intervention, Estonia is really, really far up, and that is also forgotten uh, a lot. If you think twenty percent C-section rate is very, very low, and when I talk to our midwives in our team, the midwives are, and that's how how it should be, the the main person when when a pregnancy is is healthy, and they are able to decide about things, and here they are empowered to to do so. So I think the. Especially in the maternity care. I don't know too much about the the other systems, but this this is really really amazing here in here in Estonia.
0: You know, I follow uh, and no one Dula, uh, who's uh, also Kara's customer, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, and she's currently living traveling in Thailand. And mm-hmm. uh, a few days ago, she shared in her Instagram uh, just a poster um, from local hospital or some somewhere about uh, um, birding birth pricing Mm -hmm. and there was uh, three sections one was uh, natural birth the other was almost natural which she believed that included some pain medications and then was Mm -hmm. c-section the um, c-section rate is really really high in thailand and it's also surprise, three times cheaper than the natural uh, birth.
1: Do you mean it was three times cheaper to have the natural birth or to have...
0: No, C-section is Yes, and cheaper. that
1: already doesn't make any sense, right? If you mm-hmm. actually think about it, how many people are included in a C-section or, uh, and how many people are included in a right. regular birth. Um, of course, you can plan a C-section and know that you only need these type of people to to do it. But,
0: but you need more supplies, yes, I believe. Yes more like knowledge actually yes. as well,
1: Yes. No? Yes, it's, it's much more money that you actually spend in it. So I think also this point of natural birth, like dividing it into different pieces. I also believe you can make a C-section very natural. Uh, it's just a modern way of, of having a child, if if one would say it like that. Um, so yeah, the, the problem is that, and here in Estonia, I believe it is not so that C-section just has something to do with money, unfortunately. Um, in, in Germany, you get more money for C-section from insurance, so um, maybe that is also a point why the rates are higher. So mm-hmm. they are different, again, in every country, the systems are different. There's not, I believe, one right or wrong, as long as the woman and the child are, are safe and, and well cared for and can make their own choices, I think. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is the biggest part. If you think of Mexico, for example, there, you always, I believe so. When when I was training, I trained with a, a Mexican midwife and there, the midwives don't really do births. It's always with a doctor on the site. And mm-hmm. so it very much depends where you go around the globe, how how birth is done, but also postpartum, right? Postpartum in Germany is with postpartum home visits. Uh, if you go to to other countries, there's like this really 40 days that women shouldn't do anything and mm, are cared for by their family. So you have you have different approaches, and as long as you find the right way for the woman and the baby, uh, that they are healthy and well, mm-hmm. and not just physically but mentally, I believe, then then everything is okay.
0: In Germany is becoming a midwife really popular because I believe that you need a of midwives to actually uh, give the opportunity to have all these home visits and checkups and stuff
1: well Germany is really is in a really difficult place right now actually uh, I think people want to become a midwife you know it's it's a medical field you don't get a lot of money so I don't know if it's about that but if you Mm, want to do the job? It's it's popular to do, um, but there's a huge decrease in, in midwives, and they are struggling really really hard to compensate uh, the amount of births versus uh, the amount of midwives that they have. That means if you go into hospital, it can be that you give birth not with a midwife, right? Because it's just just quicker or under real stress, um, so that is a struggle, and then if you go to, okay, in Germany every woman expects postpartum home visits because mm. everybody has them and the government uh, provides them, it's really, really hard to find a midwife uh, to 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 do that. Uh, I think a lot of women, they take the first pregnancy test when the pregnancy is planned, four weeks, six weeks, and they try and find a midwife already. I think that was a shock for me here <laughs> when uh, women were wanting maybe a private midwife or a doula, and they look for her maybe with 30 weeks, 32, and they're still able to have one, and that is just definitely wouldn't happen, happen there. So I think it's popular, but there's a decrease, and there's too high of demand for that. The midwives can uh, provide uh, care for every woman, mm-hmm. unfortunately.
0: Keiro mentioned a few episodes back that you have um, created a full-on mind map um, about all the problems in the birth and pregnancy and how these problems affect all the other industries. Mm-hmm. What has been like the most surprising one you've acknowledged uh, by that?
1: Uh, I think many there are many many different different spaces i think until it was like being a crazy professor and mapping mapping mm-hmm. everything out and actually seeing what what can be achieved and when we started kara we d- we did some some market research and what's happening and everything that we do right if it's yoga or if it's midwifery it's it's everything about preventative medicine and one one big part is just that there was a study in the US and it showed that a healthcare system annually could just save 8 billion euros if a mother would breastfeed at least for six months. And of course breastfeeding is not for everybody and if you don't des- decide to, to not do it, that is of course also totally fine. The thing is just they believe in this study that a lot of women don't know about maybe the benefits, but also what you can do if it doesn't work, where you can seek help, and what things uh, may work, work better for you or not. So I think this, this preventative part is, is hugely, and if you look at the numbers, 8 billion US dollars is, is, a, is a big bunch. Um, another well,
0: Also the, sorry, uh, the health benefits, I guess we mentioned it uh, in the episode about breast cancer, that mm-hmm. uh, women actually don't know that uh breastfeeding lowers the chance of uh having a breast cancer was it five percent each year i think
1: two to to five something like that yes it's exactly and if you go i think and that's where uh, i would i would say i'm a bit of a nerd but (laughs) going really deep into these topics is what i love like what are the actual benefits that you can take out and I remember the first time that we well I think it was it wasn't the first time, but a few few times after we first met. you were in the shop downstairs mm-hmm. and you would, you were buying vitamin D yes and mm, this was I think one of the turning points where I really realized that telling you when to take the supplement, that it really depends how you sleep afterwards, if you take it after three in the afternoon and you looked at me and you were like oh what <laughs> really yeah these were
0: the pregnancy gummies yes. that's yes. included yes. by yes. Somebody, yes. right yes.
1: so i think these offering this extra piece of knowledge that can create a really healthy lifestyle for you if it's that or if it's telling you that breastfeeding can decrease your risk of cancer and it's not just something good for the baby but you can do something really good for you as well it's hugely, but also it's a really, really tough journey to go through, and you're actually one of the few if a journey of breastfeeding goes completely fine and nothing happens in between right It's normally always a few hiccups come up if it's like cracked nipples or or if it's a bit of pain, so then I believe we should be the people the medical people should be the ones who can provide you with the knowledge what you can do against it and there there's some really cool cool things out there. Mm. But you know, one one part is how a healthcare system can benefit from preventative stuff. But um, when we dug into this this mind map, we were going from the point: What do antenatal classes? Why are they good? So in Germany, for example, they're paid by the insurance or by the government because they are seen as preventative measure. And now you can maybe say, Ah. Oh, why, but actually Mm. studies have shown that if you come to uh, family school, these antenatal classes, that you can decrease your risk, uh, I don't know the 100% exact number, but it's like 20 to 30% of C-section. So then you jump from antenatal classes decreasing your risk of C-section 30%, then you go to C-section. Okay, what does C-section do uh, in the outcome if, if you have one? And there are proven facts that a C-section is hard on the body of the mother, right? You have, you have the wound, and it's hard on the baby because of the immune system, because it doesn't go through the vaginal canal and get, gets the vaginal flora. So at this point, this tree just spreads into million different pieces. Uh, but we took a look at, okay, how is the mother affected? So, 30% decrease in, in C-section rate gives a benefit to the mother that she may recover quicker from birth because she doesn't have this deep wound that she has to care for. And from this point, we went really into what what is the social impact that, that we can have in the long run. And, you know, if a m- mother can recover quicker, uh, it increases... Uh, the likelihood to breastfeed and breastfeeding does not only have these really lovely preventative measures for you and the baby but also gives you really great hormones that you can cope better with sleep for example sleep that you're that you're not sleeping actually so okay a mother can through breastfeeding and through not having the c-section uh, compromise the sleep uh, depro- um, being sleep deprived better goes to okay, what what happens afterwards? So normally you go back to work at one point. And this is the point where we saw from, from the study base that uh, women who didn't have a C-section and who were breastfeeding were l- more likely to go back to work earlier. Mm-hmm. And now this is the point, I think, that is Estonia. Uh, you you have maternity leave for a very long time. Um, that can also be argued for if it's good or not. But in our point... Uh, we said it's great to be home for for a certain time, but to go back into the job earlier. Just for you as a person to evolve in your job and what you can do. So basically what we found out if a woman goes back earlier to work is that she's more likely to go into a leadership position which overall just increases the the number of diversity in in teams and makes women become more... Empowered. Empowered in there Mm. exactly. And I think basically from all of these points, it it has shown if we can make this little investment or little step into caring for women during this really sensitive period and really thinking about, shouldn't just be your husband or your friends caring for you, but everybody should actually be really... um, sensitive in this time or think about it if you wanted to have children in future or not because they can actually make a big big difference in the long run because women are a big part of society and most of them will have a baby so you can work uh, towards diversity by caring for women actually during during pregnancy and maternity and I think that was a wow point for us where we were like yes we have to start there, and we can actually not only you know, reduce healthcare costs, but we can can make this empowering woman movement in, in many, many different fields in, in the world.
0: From your experience, how much do you see that uh, the lack of knowledge uh, is the mm, reason that women have these different problems, is it breastfeeding journey or or something else but just because women don't know something
1: mm-hmm. I think that is the biggest, biggest brick or stone in the way for, for everybody uh, there's something like called like a vicious circle but you can also do that for empowering and informing people and basically uh, we, I strongly believe that if you inform somebody, they about decisions and what they can do, give them a base, a foundation of, of the knowledge that they should have at this point, you enable them to make informed choices. And when they make informed choices, they already feel a bit more empowered and much it's much easier for them to, to speak up. And when they speak up, they realize, huh, i can I can do that I you know I have the knowledge behind it why I want certain things done this way, or I don't want to breastfeed or I do want to breastfeed, whatever it is, and then you go into this empowering circle, and the more you feed a woman actually with information, the more you empower her in the long run, mm-hmm. and she can go back to sharing this information and empowering other women more and more um, and I do believe that you know, in a, in a world that <laughs> how we are living today, everybody isn't that accepting just if you say, you know, it's like this and you should do it like this just because I, I am the medical person telling you to mm-hmm. do it. I think a lot of, uh, we underestimate how smart uh, everybody is and that we can involve them into, into this journey.
0: I think that whatever someone tells you, you always need to have this double thought about yeah. herself, yes. um, if it's right or if it's right for you. Yes. Yes. Uh, is this something the raising the awareness and uh, bringing more knowledge uh, into society? Uh, is this something that you're trying to do with Kara?
1: Yes, definitely. I think um, this awareness of how to empower or how, how to enable people to empower other people is, is this real big thing. And I think the main point that we want to achieve with everything that we do and the app that we're doing now is giving this foundation for, for women to, to make these informed choices and to have this power over their own will and their own body and to, to decide what, what they can do in, in the end and I believe that it has, has a great impact on, on everybody surrounding them as well, right? It's not just you and your baby, it's also your partner involved in it right. and if you're happier most likely your <laughs> relationship will be happier, so it has an impact on, on many other relationships than just mother and baby relationship in, in the end
0: You've uh, worked with Cara one year now? Uh, one and a half right during that time what has been the biggest accomplishment Um, I think there's many
1: I think yes we mm,
0: well you're proud of it
1: are you definitely definitely I think uh, Karina and I we don't take too much time to think about what we have accomplished just because we're so driven by the new things that are coming, we're we're really excited. Um, I think an accomplishment that we were really, really proud of is that we saw when women actually started coming to us and actually really uh, sending lovely, lovely emails about uh, how they enjoyed it and, and that it's great and they've been looking for something like this. And I think getting this feedback from, you know, it was an idea and then we put it out there, and actually people people came and and took this idea and mm, enjoy it. And that was that was the biggest part. And I think this podcast also huge achievement in the way of women coming and speaking up uh, about their journey or, or things they have done. And it's this whole movement. I believe I have the feeling it, like it's a movement that that's <laughs> happening. So. Uh, All together, Mm. it's it's been lovely. Are you proud of
0: yourself as well?
1: Yes, I think uh, um, my my partner often actually uh, says that you know I've done quite the shift in my career, and I've never thought that I (laughs) that I would uh, you know have a have a startup, and definitely not a tech startup. That we will be with the app, and will have my own clinic. So I'm I'm proud of. Making the shift, but this is also just because I met the right people at the right time, and uh, a big, big part was that Kayon, Karina. You know, uh, I started working with them, and they gave me a seat at the table, and they bought me a chair, <laughs> and <laughs> said, "Come and come and work with us." And that is what we then tried to do with the medical specialists and give them a seat at the table and. And everybody that crosses the way that believes that this is um, the right way to to empower women and, and care for them. Uh, so I think there are a lot of mixtures in between that that made this possible. But of course, uh, I'm proud of uh, what what I've achieved so far.
0: I know you have many goals. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I believe that the biggest one at the moment is uh, launching the app. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're doing in it in Estonian, German and English yes that's cool yes <laughs> um, Apart from that, can you share some of the goals for next year or maybe even further future?
1: I think um, our main goal, and this is what we you know our base uh, is is here in Estonia and um, making the clinic here or you know we're not just a clinic we have have the yoga and other stuff thriving and that we can have all of the women who who want to join join so creating a really sustainable base for for women but also for the people you know we wouldn't have been able to make anything um, that we have achieved so far without the medical specialists who I don't know how we <laughs> how we did it, but they trusted this this German person who came along and said, "Let's do this." And they were like, "Yeah, okay."
0: Well, Anna, look at the mirror, <laughs> and then come and come again and say <laughs> that I don't know why they trusted me. <laughs> I
1: I don't know about that, but you know, I uh, it was it was a big step for them. So, um, you know, making it really a sustainable business here is is on top of the list. But I think. The, the app is the next step that we can do so much more for other women who aren't able to come to our clinic here in Tallinn or in, in Estonia. So uh, as as next step, we are hoping to launch another clinic in Berlin in summer. And this will be run by my midwifery friends <laughs> there. So uh, this will be um, a next step that's a big milestone for us, definitely and with the app you know we want to we want to go globally and help women around the globe and we can do this in different ways as this technology gives us the opportunity it's like a library and you can find everything that you need and you can adjust it to the parts of the world that it's where different things are maybe needed but they can be uploaded and they're available straight away and right now we're starting off with pregnancy, but we're really looking for this whole maternity period from you decide you want to get pregnant until uh, you gave birth and, and then hopefully much, much more. So I think from the first point of saying, hey, let's, let's do this clinic here in Estonia, uh, we now want to go globally and make it reachable for, for all women.
0: Well, there are some apps uh, on the market. Uh, and a few episodes back, Gero uh, shared his story and his um, like point of views about the app and why it's important and w- why, why it helps women. Uh, what do you think? What's the biggest um, like positive thing about this app that maybe others don't have? Or if mm-hmm. you don't want to compare, that's totally fine as well. But just why are you building? this app for Cara?
1: Mm, I think what is unique, I think that probably every startup says that, that they're unique in a way. But I do believe we are quite unique, because we started not I can from, confirm. <laughs> we started not from a point where we said, we want to have a technology, and we you know, want this technology to work. We started from a point as you, as our client, um, who who wanted more, who wanted information, who was like... And there's these little events like you in the shop and explaining to you this vitamin D thing uh, to to many other scenarios like that that have happened. And I think as the app combines, in our opinion, all of the fields that a woman um, is looking for during the maternity period, that that makes this the, the go-to place for, for every woman and I think right now I, I'm creating the content that is in the app, so I'm day and night sitting there writing what you will be able to read soon uh, with, with our team of specialists. And for me, it's a total disaster in Google. <laughs> and I know what to Google, right? I know the right study places. I know the really good websites that have good content. And I'm just in this whole whirlwind between uh, if it's knowledge, you know, if it's some education things, if it's products, like 100,000 products, finding the right one, and I'm in it day and night. So I do believe a woman who is nine months pregnant <laughs> to find out and has so much other stuff going on as well. Uh, we are creating this compact library of everything that you need. Um, so I'm, I'm very much looking forward to people trying it out and giving us feedback um, how, how they view our library of, of everything.
0: You don't have kids no. y- yet oh. um, but do you see it as an advantage that um, you maybe haven't experienced it yourself yet, because you maybe are more curious, and although you have all this uh, knowledge and you have studied it, uh, maybe it just because of you you don't know how uh, how women feels at that yes. time, or is it an advantage for you?
1: I do think the advantage is that we have this mixture in the team, as Karina and Kai were having a kid, you know. Talking to a lot of women who come to us, uh, who have children, and very lovely, openly sharing the experience, but then also having, I think, there are only two people in our team who don't have kids, and it's me and I think our physiotherapist. <laughs> um, so and having these point of views more more neutral, maybe not as involved, because you know, as pregnancy or maternity comes, you do have maybe some experiences that will always stay with you, if it's positive or negative. And I don't have that. For me, everything is neutral because I haven't felt it. Um, if it's being like super excited about a product, I, I don't know because I haven't tested it. I can test it for myself now, but it won't, won't help against that what it should maybe do in pregnancy. And the same other way around, I don't have any negative experiences from that time. So, for me, it's a whole curious thing together, and I can't wait to hopefully, if it comes to that day, try it out on myself and experience it.
0: Wonderful. Mm-hmm. During all that uh, time when you've built the startup and brand and company and uh, now app, um, what has been the biggest surprise, like business-wise? you
1: mm, you mean in terms of the business or yes other than the healthcare system mm-hmm. mm, I think mm, you know we took we took two different we we took a technology and we took uh, the the tech people behind it was <laughs> very much only Kaiwa at this and <laughs> our developers, but I would he's doing name good, it. he's <laughs> <Yes>. doing good, <laughs> he he's rocking it, um, and then we, we we take these medical professionals as well, right? So we try not only making a better environment for, for you as mothers and and women, but also for the working environment the specialists as I think I'm very much involved in that more maybe than than the pregnancy because I have felt it um, myself to create this new type of working for them and that you have the ability to do so much more with your knowledge than you are maybe doing it already so merging these two different types of businesses um, and it it was bumpy of course because you you had to explain stuff but in the end it worked out and that is the nicest surprise until now that uh, not only the three of us share the vision but but our whole team uh, as well
0: you know and i'm truly thankful to you and for you uh, of doing all the all things related to cara uh, that's wonderful, and I really can't wait for the launch of the app. When can listeners expect it?
1: Eighth uh, of March. It's like it's soon. Soon. <laughs> it's International Women's Day, and we thought it's it's a good way t- to launch it. And um, officially, we are we're launching eighth of March here in Estonia, um, but it can be downloaded wherever wherever you are. So uh, we're very excited about that, um, and. <laughs> we're hoping that we're making this deadline. <laughs> yes, but you will. Yes, I yes. believe you. Mm.
0: Is there something that we didn't touch uh, in today's o- episode that you really want to focus on more? Or no? I think. Thank you, Anna.
1: Thank you. It so was much. lovely. <laughs> bye you. bye. Bye bye.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Carab. Start up to support your health and well-being during maternity. More information carahealth.eu